Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines, a gem box little wine shop that you can find in Los Angeles. And this is my podcast, Wine Face. Wine Face is a podcast where we break down all the ins, the outs, the nitty gritty, everything that you wanted to know about wine, but maybe you were afraid to ask. We're putting it into little snackable nuggets. Listen, maybe you love food and wine, just like me. And maybe you want to know more. Or maybe you want to look good in front of your friends. Either way, I am here for you. If you want to find me in person, you can find me at Helen's Wines. If you want to find me online, you can find me at Helen's Wines on Instagram or helenswines.com. Today, wine face, deep dive. No, we're not diving too deep. This is actually a, you know, holiday weekend who's hot, who's not, Memorial Day, start those ponies, get those motors running. Let's get psyched. It's a holiday weekend. So this is a Wine Face Entertaining episode. And I'm talking about three crucial factors to a Memorial Day success. I don't really celebrate Memorial Day, like the actual, you know, I celebrate it. Like, I'm like, yeah, but it's a holiday that always meant a lot to me growing up and it still does. I really like it. It's like the marker that summer started. You can wear white. Just kidding. I wear white all the time. But during this time, this crazy COVID-19 time, it's nice to celebrate little things and kind of look forward to them. Am I right? I think I'm so right. For me, Memorial Day, though, it was my, it was like, there's so many things that I remember about why I get a warm, fuzzy feeling about it. It was always the weekend when I first swam in the ocean for in, on the East Coast. So, you know, that shit was cold. It was the first time I saw friends that I'd only s- would see during the summer. It was a BBQ to the fullest type vibe. It was like summer is ready to pop off and here's a little taste. And like sometimes it was a little chilly, but mostly we lucked out. So Memorial Day was just this kind of like gate opening into this highway of deliciousness and fun and sun and ocean. and But of course, right now we're in some weird ass times and that's weird ass times all caps, let me tell you. So I thought it would be fun or interesting or just enjoyable to rethink how we are spending this weekend, how we're approaching it with like three different segments. One, bomb ass rosé for a holiday weekend. Two, enter stage left chilled red zone. Three, 
food and wine pairings, moments, vibes. So let's start off with segment numero uno, bomb ass rosés for the holiday weekend. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to do this weekend. Just kidding. (laughs) I do know. I don't have any major plans. You know, we don't have some like secret barbecue where 50 people are going to be there. But I am thinking about little things, little touches, little bottles of wine that would be really fun to drink while I'm in my yard dreaming about the pool that I don't have. I'm so grateful for my yard though. But you know, we always, grass is always greener, y'all. I'm human. Okay. Let's bring it back to bomb ass rosés. So here's my wish for everyone for their holiday weekend, for their holiday, you know, curation of their adult beverages. Let's up the game on rosé. Let's up the ante with some rosés that have secondary flavors, maybe even third tier flavors, not just one note. What do I mean by that? Let's back it up and do a quick refresher on what rosé is. Rosé is a wine that is made from primarily red skin grapes. And those red skin grapes, it's the quick impression. So there's no extended maceration. If you left the skins and the juice on grapes that were destined to be rosé, but then er, took a sharp left, it would turn into red wine. So anytime you extend the maceration on a skin with a juice for a red wine grape, a red skin grape, it turns into red wine. But if you do a quick direct press, which is exactly what it sounds like, you literally press and the juice, like you have the grapes and there's a press. There's many different styles of press. I think that could be a whole episode in of itself. But hopefully it's like a slow pneumatic press, getting a gentle extraction. So a direct press would be as the grapes are getting crushed, that juice is then what is siphoned off and put through fermentation. There's another way that you can make rosé as well. It's the Sagne method. And it kind of is the same idea, except that the intensity of a Sagne rosé is often kicked up a notch or two because it's the sort of extra juice or offshoots during a red wine making process. Sagne literally translates to bleeding. So you're bleeding off, you're suckling off the red wine production with some like dope ass kind of concentrated rosé. Sagnes are usually a little bit darker in color. They have just a little more intensity. So direct press, sagne. Now what makes a bomb ass rosé? There's a lot of different rosés. And I think I have been on a mission for years to expose people to rosés that are so good that are different shades, particularly a darker shade, which people were very scared of. And I think I know why for a very long time, fearful that those rosés would be sweet when in fact, a lot of them are more dry than their pale counterparts. For a long, long time, I would have people who are like, if it's not super pale, I'm not about it. I'm not even going to buy it. I'm going to return it. I had a couple of people return it and I'd be like, just try it. Very adamant. But slowly but surely, we have chipped away and I have made lots of progress. Dark rosés are in suddenly? Huh? It's amazing. It's a Memorial Day miracle. So rosé can be made from many different grapes. Every different red grape varietal has a different tannic structure in the skin. It's different shade of red. And so the extraction point, oh, and the skin can be thick, it can be thin. So it's all of this like chemistry dictates and indicates what 
color, a rosé would be from that grape. So like more tannins, darker grape skin, thicker skin. It's going to have a darker hue, maybe have a little bit more texture, but like a paler skin, less tannins. It's all about what's happening at the extraction point. I just wanted to say that because it sounds like not what it is. So the extraction point is that moment when it's either going through direct press or saigné. So the skins of Pinot Noir versus Grenache versus a grape called Cinso versus Merlot versus White Zinfandel, all of these grape varietals, well, just Zinfandel, let's be real. All of these grape varietals would create a different color rosé. I know, mine's blown. So there is no indication and there's no scientific fact that a darker rosé would be sweeter. It's all lies. And it was all created by some white Zen monsters. But guess what? There's some people reinventing it. And we're going to get to them in a moment. I have some favorite rosés I want to talk to you about. But one bomb.com, bomb-ass rosé that I want to throw into the mix is the sparkling rosé. And I want to tell you why. I've seen an uptick since COVID-19 of people wanting to drink sparkling rosé. It's kind of a phenomenon I would never have anticipated. And specifically in the Petion Naturel style, aka Petnat, aka Petnaste. That's not a technical term. That is my term. So people are finally venturing into the darker hued rosés and they're also dipping a toe into sparkling rosé. Sparkling rosé is really amazing. You can get rosé champagne, which is, you know, amazing, but it's often price prohibitive and very expensive. So there's all these amazing dope winemakers all around the world who make sparkling wine in a much more casual way. Casual doesn't mean it doesn't taste as good. It just means the refinement of the bubbles and the process that it's made and turned into a bubbly wine is a different process than maybe a rosé champagne would go through. The results fantastic sparkling rosé that's often much drier than champagne because champagne is a place where sugar is added during fermentation. This is also a whole separate thing. But a sparkling rosé, a cremant or a pet nat rosé often are drier. Or if they are a little juicy, not sweet, but have some fruit, it's the natural sugars from the actual grape because the wine went through as much fermentation as it wanted to. And it was kind of like, yo, I'm chill at this point. I got some awesome lackadaisical bubs. I got a little fruit reminiscent tinge on the tip of everyone's tongue. And I have a nice mineral or acid balance. Now that is the key to a killer sparkling rosé is you need to have either acidity or minerality coupled with the sparkling fruitiness. Because Nobody just wants like a big fat Sally sitting on your tongue. (laughs) That came out strange, but I think you know what I mean. You don't want a wine that just like feels clunky, cough syrupy, heavy, sweet, or just kind of one note. My top three bomb.com rosés for your bomb ass holiday weekend. My first one, Valentina Pasolacqua Rosatera. I think this is a perfect gateway drug for dark rosé for everyone. All right. I don't mean that. I'm I'm doing a lot of like statements and then taking it back. You know what? I don't take it back. I'm tongue in cheek in it. So the Rosa Terra is absolutely beautiful. It's one of my favorite wines that she makes. It is made from a grape called Nero de Troya. It's made in a place called Puglia. 
We talked about it on last week's episode, but it's just that dark color, but salty watermelon. It has an electricity, a vibrancy, a, a sort of magenta-y tone to it. Her wines are just absolutely mind-blowing. So that's my pick number one. All these will be in the show notes, by the way. My pick number two is a sparkling wine that's made in the Loire Valley. It's made by a husband and wife team, Lise et Bertrand Jusset. And this is their Rosé à Lise. And it is a blend of two red grape varietals. Groyot is the first one. It's a red grape and Gamay. And there's just this seductive dance that happens on your palate when you open this wine. It's unfiltered. It's a pet nat, but it has the most refined elegance. It's very like clean to the palate. It's just very, very refreshing. And I highly recommend for bomb ass sparkling rosé. And then the last rosé, if you want to really toe dip and get into a different zone, there's a reinvention of white Zinfandel going down. Oh, it's going down. So white Zinfandel emerged in like the 60s or 70s. There was a lot of sugar that was added to it. It was definitely like the wine at the key parties, people getting crunk. It was, you know, oh, what happens tomorrow? Doesn't matter. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I don't know. I wasn't alive then, but white Zinfandel was like a rave and then it got a really bad rap. You know, Behringer, you know what I'm saying? But There is another husband and wife team up in Northern California, Unturned Stones Productions. They're making a white Zinfandel that totally is like a 180 from any historical reference of what a white Zin used to be. It's called the Blush, and it is just so tasty. Like, it's one of those rosés that's succulent. You want to get it super cold. It has a lot of flavor. It's going to hit your palate in like two or three different ways. So those. But you know, I think all the rosés we have are prettybomb.com because you know what? We only have so many and I'm really careful about which ones I pick. And if you want to ball out this Memorial Day weekend, I would definitely do the Amarotti Cherisuolo. Cherisuolo is a reference to an Italian style of rosé. And this one's made from Montepulciano. And Amarotti is just a class act all the way. So, bam, 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 bomb-ass rosés for a holiday weekend. Enter stage left, segment number two, the chilled reds. So, listen, chilled reds have been around my world for a minute. And last five years at John and Vinny's, the restaurant that houses Helen's Wines, we've always had a chilled red on by the glass pretty much since day one. All the other reds are at cellar temperature, but I was always like, gotta have a chilled red, literally from the fridge. A chilled red is a red wine that you drink at a white wine temperature. Now, there is no classic formula. There is no guide I can give you. It will never say chill me on the bottle. But if you call the Helen's hotline at either location, you say you want some chilled reds, my people and I, we know what you're talking about and we'll hook you up. Here's the rule. They need to be kind of a lighter bodied red wine. Chilled reds are not as good if it's like a super heavy, thick red wine. It just doesn't really bring that magic. You also don't want something too light or too delicate. Like certain Pinot Noirs are just so pretty, but if you chill them too much, it will mute the fruit tones and it will mute the complexity of what that wine might have to offer. So my ideal chilled red is one, 
It's a wine that has gone through a process called carbonic maceration. Now, carbonic maceration, after you pick the grapes, you put them all into a vat whole so you don't crush them yet. And you basically seal that up and you let the weight of those grapes crush themselves. And it starts the fermentation. It's like a disco happening inside the grape. And the result is a really fun, buoyant, oftentimes juicy expression of that grape varietal. So there are certain varietals that definitely denote themselves to liking to be chilled. Gamay, Senso, Carignan, sometimes Cab Franc, surprisingly, sometimes Cabernet Sauvignon from certain places has to be pretty light and, and fresh. The, the list goes on. So it's not necessarily about one grape varietal that you would chill. It's more about the style of wine and how it's made. Chilled reds are a thing if you're a red wine lover and you just, it's going to be 90 degrees out, you chill the red and you kind of get taken on another ride. Don't be scared. You're not going to ruin the wine. Chilled reds, red wine, all wine is totally fine in the fridge. It's not going to go bad. You just don't want to freeze wine and you don't want to get it too hot because that could spoil it. Oh, and I'll put some chilled red recommendations in the show notes for y'all. All All right, y'all. Number three. So food and wine pairings, moments, vibes. So here are some food moments that I've sort of been obsessing about. And I've been obsessing, you know, there's the classic Memorial Day barbecue vibe you could do, which is awesome. And I'm not going to sit on this platform and be like, don't have a barbecue, social distancing. I mean, I believe in it. I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of people, you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to stay, stay alive. My top one that I've been really thinking about a lot because tomatoes are coming into season, like the really good tomatoes, is panzanella salad. Panzanella salad is like a bread salad or a fatouche. So any stale bread or any older bread, you can turn that into kind of fun, crunchy, olive oil fried croutons. And then you make a salad. My favorite way to do it is to have like arugula, tomato. Then you add the toasted, like crispy garlic rubbed bread. Maybe you add some basil and you make like an Italian vinaigrette or balsamic. I mean, it's really whatever floats your boat. But a panzanella salad is amazing. And I love serving it next to like a steak. It's prettybomb.com or anything. It can kind of act as the only side dish because you have bread and veggie and then you just need a little protein. I have been whipping up pesto a lot, super deep in the pesto game. The current ratio that I really like for pesto, and by the way, pesto really loves bomb-ass rosé, especially some sparkling rosé, especially one that has a little fruit to it because, you know, pesto can have a little kick from that garlic. So sometimes you want something to soften that. I'm really into roasting the garlic and walnuts. I'm doing a walnut pesto recently before blending it. It kind of makes it more creamy and dreamy. And I've been really working on my basil to parm ratio. You guys got any hot tips? Hit me up in the DMs. But that's the pesto vibes. Put it on pasta. Put it on a sandwich. Put it on eggs. Put it on a burger. You put it on anything. Pesto is like the best thing ever. Okay. Old-fashioned BBQ ribs. I'm talking with like the red barbecue sauce. You can't go wrong there. Any sides go with that. And it's just like so festive. Smash burgers. You can do smash burgers on the grill. You just get a cast iron, put it on the grill, make sure it gets super hot. That way you don't smoke out your entire house and just smash. A smash burger is when you literally smash the burger. And 
It's delicious. You put a little American cheese or whatever cheese you want. You go classic style. You make special sauce. I love special sauce. I've also been making, and I think I might make them this weekend, these turkey garlic parsley burgers. And I'm wrapping them in a collard green bun. So no bread, super like gluten-free, but basically really good turkey meat with chopped parsley, garlic, salt, pepper, and then get a dope-ass cheese. You can even throw some of the pesto on top and it's really, really fun. But one thing I always look forward to though with holiday weekends, I'll leave you with this, is the Becerra family tradition. My partner, Alex Becerra, my favorite person on the planet, His family goes big when it comes to BBQ. I mean, literally, they barbecue like six different types of meat. I'm always incredibly impressed. And his mom is like a salsa bandit. She makes like three or four different salsas, and they're all absolutely incredible and mouthwatering. Their go-to move is like they'll grill ribeye. We eat it with tortillas and salsa. She'll also make these jalapeno poppers on the grill where you take jalapenos You cut a little slice in them, take the seeds out, fill it with cream cheese, wrap bacon around it, toothpick it to hold it, and then you grill them. Not too high heat or the bacon will burn. It's pretty much heaven. Obsessed with that. The Becerra family traditions, you know, orange juice marinated chicken that then gets grilled, garlic salt. I mean, hello, it's delicious. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for more traditions. I can't wait for this mini holiday weekend. You know why? Because it's the little things right now that we need to look forward to. So get yourself some bomb ass rosé. Try sparkling rosé. Get into the chilled red zone and be safe and have fun. Y'all, this is Wine Face. I hope you took a few little Memorial Day idea nuggets from that little breakdown. I... Wish you all the safest, happiest, best weekend. If you want to get more information about any of these wines, they're in the show notes. You can also visit helenswines.com. We ship nationally. You can email me, info at helenswines. You can hit me up in my DMs. I'm the one who responds. So at helenswines on Instagram. And lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe. I know it's annoying, but... It's really important to us and that way we can really collate the data and bring you guys more of what you want to hear. Thank you all for listening. This is Wine Face. I'm out. 